Well, good morning again. Uh, just a, a couple announcements that, that I missed. Uh, Alan Jang is interested. Alan, if you'll raise your hand. Uh, he's going to be teaching a, a Tai Chi class, and he wants to have a, a talk with anybody who's interested. Uh, Alan has taught that in many places, and so he's an expert in that area. So if you're interested in, in that talk with Alan, there's going to be a brief meeting uh, right after service in the fellowship hall. So please go in and uh, chat with him about that. Also, we have our community groups meeting tonight. If you're interested in, in those, please talk with me. Uh, I have a group meeting and the other group meeting at Jim Sotomayor's house, so please just let me know. We'd love to have you uh, involved in those. But as I mentioned, uh, we are thinking through, through this entire service, through the theme of exile, and it's something that you maybe have never thought much about in a church service or um, have ever really thought through. I think the uh, prophets and the prophetic books are some of the most underpreached books in all of the Bible, and one of the reasons for that is uh, they don't really resolve in some ways. There's a tension that continues to build and kind of doesn't get better, um, and you can sometimes wonder, okay, what is this going to be like? How is this supposed to go? So we read a couple psalms that are uh, from that time period, but I wanted to have one of our own members uh, come up with a, a way of writing a, a psalm-like poem. So I thought of our, our sister Yakira, uh, who often does poetry uh, for us. And so I asked her to write some thoughts about times and seasons when uh, she has asked those questions, where is God? So Yakira... Okay, you have a mic, so go ahead, just take your life for us. <laughs> Alone in the darkness, in the chaos. I call and I call, but I don't get an answer. Empty ringing sounds in the echo of my desire, but still you are nowhere to be found. I do everything you ask. I follow your commands. I get down on my knees and pray. But when the time comes when I need you the most, you leave me broken, alone, and afraid. You're full of miracles, my mother always told me. I believe the words that she says. But why, when I come to you with an empty, open head, it feels like I'm stuck in this sinking sand, this sinking sand they call life. How do people remain faithful and optimistic? I'm constantly experiencing pain and strife. And as a Christian, I must still be realistic. They say to trust God, to let him guide my path. And I intend to do this, to say the least. Oh, how this life is stressing me out so very much. Sometimes life is going well, and other times I destroy everything I touch, but still I try my best. But life seems to enjoy my pain. It weighs me down. It holds and constrains. I'm being pulled by the weight of my depression, but still my Lord gives me the freedom of expression. So I may feel lonely. I cannot hear his answer, but he is still there, I can assure you. Most things he does is in disguise. He would never leave me with a hopeless demise. He is the praise I give and the air I breathe. He is infinite and powerful. I know he'd never leave. But still it's hard. I'm in exile here, walking for days, not knowing when and where my next meal awaits. I'm giving up hope if we're being completely honest, but still I walk to receive God's promise. The promised land, plentiful in its splendor, the beauty in its purity, one hope and one desire. So I push and I struggle. I'm in this black hole, blind and unaware, helpless and without a home, alone in the darkness, in the chaos. I call and I call, but I don't get an answer. Thank you. Thank you for that, Akira. And uh, I'll I'll send send that out this week. That was she, I just wrote an email. Said, hey, could you do this? And she like gave me that back. I was like, Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So um, thank you. you no, know, thank you for for putting some some expression to thoughts that that we all feel 
uh, from time to time. So I've talked a bit about the, uh, the time period of, of Ezekiel and uh, what's going on, and you guys will uh, feel good. I got a lot of flack for the length of my sermons in worship class today from Justin, uh, so we're doing, doing a little, little different stuff, but I do, do want to have some, some brief thoughts. Um, and Ezekiel's context, if you put that slide up, Chen, with uh, some of the historical dates, um, this is some guesstimates, sorry, not Chen, um, Simon, my bad, um, Some of the dates, Chen made this slide for me, but uh, he's not putting it up. Uh, Some of the dates around historians um, are are thinking. So um, Ezekiel is is taken into exile. The first exile happens around 597. Babylon uh, comes in, uh, but then Ezekiel receives this vision of God while he's in exile, which on its own is an unbelievable thing because you don't think that you're going to be able to experience God when you're in a faraway land, but God comes to Ezekiel and gives these messages and actually says, sorry, but like the people aren't going to listen to you even though you're going to do this dramatic stuff and you're going to try and get their attention, but it's not um, going to work. And eventually then um, Babylon comes in 586, 587 um, and destroys Jerusalem uh, and the temple. And during this time, the book of Lamentations is written. It's a book of lament. It's people saying, you know, how are we supposed to worship you anymore? How, how can we continue in this pattern? And how are we supposed to worship a God who doesn't have a temple anymore? Around 570 are the last recorded words of the prophet Ezekiel. And estimates are around that time he, he probably uh, died. It's unsure exactly when, but it isn't until 538 that Jewish exiles are allowed to begin returning from exile, but that doesn't happen quickly. It slowly happens over um, 110 uh, years. So it is very likely that Ezekiel never returned home, even though he did what God called him to do and delivered the message that was hard for people um, to hear. It's likely he never returned home. In fact, probably definitely didn't. And then what's interesting to see is after they return to the land, there's still conflict and tension, and there's issues that happen uh, really in that area to this day, obviously. Um, in that area, it's always seemingly full of conflict. I think that's one of the lies we can sometimes tell ourselves when we find our moments of exile is, if this one thing was fixed, then I would be so happy. And then you get that thing back, and then you're like, well, I'm still unhappy about some stuff, you know? Like, if, if this one thing could get better, then like, oh, it'd be so good. And the people, eventually they move back. Eventually the temple is actually rebuilt. But still there's conflict and, and there's issues. As you think about this, this time period, though, maybe your time of exile didn't last for all these years. Maybe you did get to experience more and more hope and peace as you went through it. But I think we all, as human beings, have a longing for home, like whatever that means to us. It means lots of different things, but a place where our, our souls can rest and a place where we find hope. A quote that I found that I think expresses what is going on um, really well, if you put that next one up for me, Simon. 
exile, it's not simply being homeless. Rather, it's knowing that you have a home, but that your home has been taken over by enemies. Exile, it's not being without roots. On the contrary, it's having deep roots, which are now plucked up. And there you are with roots dangling, writhing in pain, exposed to a cold and jeering world, longing to be restored to native and nurturing soil. Exile is knowing precisely where you belong, but knowing that you can't go back there. Not yet. And I think there are all different ways that we think about home. Maybe it's a relationship to you that's really comfortable, a place where your soul has found rest. Maybe it is a physical location that you go on retreat or whenever you go back there and it's your grandmother's house, you know, and you smell all those wonderful things cooking and your family is gathered around the table. There are many ways that we can experience home. And then there are also many ways that we experience exile in. Because when you start to feel comfortable, when you start to feel a routine, when you start to to feel this sense of of presence and comfort in a certain thing, there are moments in our lives when those things get plucked up or taken away from us. And I think that happens in in relationships sometimes, that happens in in financial situations. You know, you always just kind of assumed that the economy was going to go a certain way, and then 2008 hits, and it's like, whoa, okay, how are we supposed to recover from this. Sometimes it's health that you just, you know, you kind of took your health for granted that you were always a pretty healthy person and then bam, you get that news. I think of people who've gone through some really difficult things in, in our church family even in just the last few months. When I was in 10th grade, I got my first girlfriend and it was a 3-week very deep relationship. Um <laughs> And don't laugh, it was real love. Um, And unfortunately, over that three-week period came Valentine's Day and her birthday. So that's like a lot of pressure um, in in a very short period of time. And so I did okay on Valentine's Day, but her birthday, I just, I didn't bring a gift. Like, I just didn't really think about it. And uh, that caused her to break up with me shortly uh, after that. And it's very funny to me now, and it's like ridiculous to think of... um, 15-year-old Brian listening to Boys to Men or whatever and trying to get through it. But um, as, as I remember that time, I, I remember the, the pain of being rejected. And that's a, a very poignant pain. And I think all of us, whether it was in a relationship in high school or maybe even earlier, as your parents went through a divorce and you were in the middle of that conflict and you didn't know and you experienced and you would go back and say that right there is what I would point to as a time when my sense of home was plucked up, where I had this this comfort, this routine, and then all of a sudden I got that news. Or that person told me this really hard thing. And the world just isn't the same anymore. It was once this way. I relied on this thing. This was how this was going. This was how it was supposed to be. And this is why I think the theme of exile is so important. Because that's just life sometimes, isn't it? And why I think exile really preaches well to the church is that you can come and think you're the only one who's struggling. You're the only one who is experiencing some of this. But what the prophet and what others who, who wrote during this time teach us is just because 
you are there, it doesn't mean that God is not with you. It doesn't mean that God has left you alone. So as I was thinking through uh, this theme, I thought of our, our sister Miriam, and I invited her uh, to share a few thoughts. Um, so come on up, our sister Miriam. Can you give her a hand? We're thankful for her um, being willing to, to share with us. But here's, here's a mic for you. And my, my, first, my first question, and then you can kind of just, just take it. Can you describe your health situation, what that's been like over the last few months? When did all that start and what's it been like for you good morning church Um, it's on it's on it's on can you hear me check 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 okay (laughs) um so many of you may know or may not know um fully what my situation is um but i've been struggling now um with uh fibroids uterine fibroids and um this speech or the slide that was just up talking about like the enemy um, comes and takes you. Yeah, this one. Uh, But your home has been taken over by enemies. Um, That's, you know, the womb. I mean, that's life giving for a woman. And um, it was taken over pretty much by these uh, benign tumors. Um, Not cancerous, but just their presence alone stopped a lot for me. Um, and, and not knowing where they came from and when they were going to go away, I, I found the enemy to, to be within me. Um, and I had never thought exile, I guess, could be like that. You're thinking you'd, you would be taken somewhere or left alone, but sometimes it, it can be internal. And for me, that's what it was. Um, and not only did, did that take over me, I've been dealing with the results uh, of hemorrhaging, like the woman in Mark 5, um, for months, for eight months now. And um, I, I can just imagine um, the desperation that she felt. Um, will, will I ever get well again? And why did this happen to me? And I guess to stay on topic with your, your question, um, what did it feel like to me? It, it, feels like, it feels like being in the grave. Um, all your toiling and striving and laboring to achieve, to live, to accomplish goals, just come to a halt. Um, in August, it came, August morning, the 18th, it came to a halt to me. I was in the emergency room and had lost, lost half of the blood in my body. And... Um, Thanks to the generous heart and donations of people that give to the Red Cross, someone saved my life that morning. So thanks, thanks to everyone that donates, um, because that was the first time someone's life energy had to bring me back alive, and I'd never, I'd never think I'd, I'd never imagined that I'd ever need someone else's blood, you know. But um, and you find out that the gift in the exile when you feel like you're in the grave, is that God allows you that moment to be in the grave while you're still alive. So you kind of see how life can move on without you. Joy, happiness, sadness, work, bills. Um, Opportunities just step right over you and keep moving. Weddings, birthdays, funerals, promotions, retirement, birthdays all happened while I was bedridden for months. 
Um, and you sort of, Brian asked, uh, well, what is it like to walk through this long season of doubt and questioning? Well, the first, the first thing, the first image that comes to my mind is when Christ was on the cross and he had his you know, arms stretched out and he was in all that pain. And he said, why have you forsaken me? You sort of feel like that, you know, because you're alive, but you're just hanging on. You're like, are you still here? Um, don't leave me. And then guilt, guilt starts in on you, as Brian mentioned. Um, shame. Uh, is it something I did that I caused this? Was it too many, like, Del Tacos? Or, like, did I, like, <laughs> I don't know, did I do something? Um, and, uh, and then anger, of course. You're, you ang- anger, you get angry with yourself. And then loneliness starts in on you. And, and then the longings. Um, at that point, you start to evaluate how you really want to live life if and when this storm ever passes. You regret the opportunities you didn't take, the walks, the exercise you forfeited, the spring cleaning you didn't do, the last load of laundry and errands you didn't run. It's like you just died and your life just changes so drastically, so drastically without warning. And I, I really believe that when those longings start, then the, 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 the end is near of your exile, um, because um, I think that's what, what God does, is you have to accept the, the sentence. You don't know how long it's going to last, but you just have to accept the sentence. And, and the minute you accept the sentence, like, I'm not going to be able to get up for a little while, just accept it, you can really start to see the glimpse of God that Brian asked about. Did I see that at all during my experience? Um, I think the biggest glimpse I've seen of him, uh, I don't know, am I running on? Oh, okay. Go for it. <laughs> the, the biggest glimpse, uh, glimpse that I saw of him was mercy. Okay, you sing songs about, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. But do you really know what mercy is? I don't think I really knew what mercy was until I experienced so much pain in my life. Mercy is literally... Mercy is like having that moment of just relief, even if it was just for seconds. And, 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 I, and that I knew there had to be a God because um, I didn't die. I'm still here, but it's just an ongoing, you know, nuisance. And, um, but that to me shows I'm still here, so there still is a God. And that mercy in some moments, even now, um, just forcing myself to just live again. Uh, and also grace, because nothing I was doing was making it better. I'm also a registered nurse. Um, I started practicing nursing in 2010. It saved a lot of people's lives. I worked the night shift, worked a lot of codes, seen people at near death moments and brought them back. There was nothing I could do for myself. I thought because maybe I stopped nursing full-time and became a, you know, a full-time actress and writer, that maybe I was being punished for, like, giving up, like helping other people. Maybe God was, you know, doing something like that. But really, it was a reminder that all the help that you were giving people, it wasn't you. It was me working through you as a vessel. And, and, and I'll do that now for you, too, to show you that, that power that I have. Um, and 
let's see. What helped me get through this question, final thing uh, he asked. All of you, (laughs) Um, I'm 2,000 miles away from home. My family is South Carolina, Charleston. Uh, We don't have any blood relatives here at all, just Sean and I. We came here, and we came to this church, and from day one, we, Sean and I went through so many health issues. Sean had a torn Achilles tendon, and trying to open a new business and just trying to find our way. And you, you guys from day one have, have been here for us. Um, your loving, open support, food. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then have my mom here, you know, um, calls, inspiration, people telling me about how you guys have overcome the same situations. Um, Anna, thank you for letting me borrow Nico sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, and mostly just, just knowing that um, in birds, strangely enough, um, some days I'd wake up and just hear them chirping. It was just a reminder that life, I don't know, something small like that, it probably just sounds strange, but when you're really alone and in and out of sleep and down, things like that help. But the last thing I'd like to just say is if you believe that God is intentional and you believe that he's an intentional God, the best thing that you can do in exile is to just accept your sentence and accept your time. And you cannot see what God intended if you're fighting against it. So I still have surgery to come again. So just pray for my mental, physical, and emotional um, ability to be able to endure that. It'll be in four weeks, and it'll be about another six weeks uh, recovery. And so just keep me in your prayers, and thank you, Brian, for giving me the opportunity. To, I don't know if you have any questions, but Sharon. Yeah, well, what, so that, that surgery, can you just say, what, what is that going to be? What is, what yeah. is that still? Where, where are you in the process? Okay, right um, with this surgery, I'm at UCLA, and um, this surgery is pretty much going to be like an open surgery. If any of you women have had C-sections, it's pretty much what I'm going to have. Um, and his, he's going to try to correct um, the fibroid that's in there, remove it and um, reconstruct my uterus, and hopefully I'll be able to have children. And, um, you know, if, if, if not, then still, I'm just thankful to still be alive. Like, I thought I was going to die um, a while back. And sometimes some things switch out for others. Sometimes if you can't give life, thank God you still have life, and I'm just so thankful for that. And uh, so that'll be in four weeks. It'll be about four weeks before I can actually get up. So you guys will probably miss me for four weeks and then six weeks before I can really like get out and run and do Tai Chi and go boxing with Bill and (laughs) do three miles, (laughs) do all this other stuff. Um, So that's what that'll be. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, sister. That was awesome. We we love you guys uh, very much. We're we're praying for you and I. Deep, deeply appreciate your your courage uh, for sharing because I, I just know know you're not alone. Um, I know that um, every time that we gather, uh, there are people who are in in seasons of exile. Um, there are some some seasons of exile that just don't end. Um, that we've had some some losses and things that just don't. And I think one of the things we can sometimes feel after a, a time together of worship is that. You know, just it kind of uh, resolves. Some some sermons, and I fall into this trap sometimes. Feel like a um, a sitcom episode, uh, like they introduce this problem, and then 
something goes wrong, but then at the end, uh, Michelle and Danny Tanner are hugging and everything's better again. And, you know, you, sorry, you did that really horrible thing, but we still love you. And you have that, that moment. Um, and that can feel like church sometimes together, that a preacher, you know, introduces some tension and here's something that you need to think about. And then by the end, it's like, well, here's a nice bow on it. And, and here you go. But unfortunately, faith and life don't always work like that. Uh, again, Ezekiel, like, is very faithful, does what God calls him to do. The people don't listen to him, and he dies in exile, very likely. And you think, wow, like, that's, that's hard. And sometimes I think when we think about these really hard seasons that we are going through, uh, they, sometimes I think we need, we need a, a bigger picture to know that God has been faithful throughout the generations not just now in this moment, but God has been faithful um, to people um, continually. And just because, I think this theme just comes up over and over again in the book of Ezekiel, just because you're going through this hard time, it does not mean that God is not with you. It doesn't mean that God isn't present there, even though it might be hard for you to understand or experience God's presence in that moment. I think just even um, this is appropriate uh, for us as, as a church. I feel like this is a bit of a, a season of, of some differences, some, some changes for us. I mentioned at the beginning of the year that in the last year we've had uh, 24 different people move, and some people have, have moved to different congregations because we uh, decided to have women involved in our service. I know some people are still struggling with that who are here, and we're so glad um, that you are here. I mean, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to have people like Ikira and Miriam share with us because I think they give us a, a glimpse into the heart of God that I can't share myself. But that um, is a season of exile for us as a church, I would say, but that doesn't mean that God isn't with us. I believe that God will continue to rebuild. God will continue to work through us in powerful ways. I believe so much in the love that we have for each other, the great people that are part of our church. I believe God will continue uh, to work in us, even as we find ourselves find ourselves in this season, and then I know that individually we've had some hard stuff go on. I think of our sister Miriam, who still isn't out of the woods by any means, still has a long road. I think of Justin and Jamie and the prayers that we've had for them as they continue to walk with pain. I think of things that happened maybe even a long time ago, like our sister Yvonne Smith, who lost her husband Chuck, who was one of the best men that, that I knew of and know of, to cancer way too soon. And she's walked for how many years without him at this point? Ten, right? Yeah, ten years. So there's some of these seasons that never really resolve, that you maybe can see God's presence in it, and maybe you can, like, feel his comfort, but you would never wish it. You would never hope that it happened. You would never want it to, to like, have, have it happen so you could experience this. But even as you have this painful thing, God has been with you. You've been able to experience, I love the way you, you said it, the mercies, the little tiny mercies, like the birds that are chirping the deep appreciation that you have for every moment of life that you have, even as you're still uh, in pain and sorting 
a lot of that out. But I hope that as we close our service today, that if you find yourself in exile because of a health situation, because of a, a job situation, because of something that's going on in a relationship, I hope you just hear this, that God is with you. That it might be hard for you to understand or hard for you um, to recognize. But just because you're going through a season that's unresolved doesn't mean that God is not with you. That's what we see in the entire book of Ezekiel. And again, a lot of these prophets and writers around this time, that God does things and comes to a prophet like Ezekiel when Ezekiel would say, no, 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 there's no way God is, there's no way God's in Babylon. There's no way that God's spirit is away from the temple and from Jerusalem. But God comes to Ezekiel and comes to us as we experience these difficult things. As we close uh, today, I'm going to close with the prayer that we have and the requests that people have, have brought to us. But if, if you feel comfortable and with the people who, who are around you, something that uh, was, was powerful that happened um, to me one time, if you feel comfortable with the person who is sitting in front of you, um, if you are willing to put your hands on that person's shoulders, um, in a physical way, I hope it's a way for you to experience that God is with you as you walk through life. And if you're not comfortable to do that, okay, no problem, uh, that's fine. But if you are, uh, I'd love for you to put your hand on someone's shoulders who's around you so you can experience the presence of God in this prayer. Let's pray together. God, even in unresolved situations, in difficult seasons, you are with us. There are times when we feel comfortable, when we feel at home, and then that gets plucked up. Something changes. Something unexpected happens. And for some of us, that still isn't resolved. For some of us, there never was a good reason why it happened. But God, we believe that you are there even in those moments. And that faith isn't about everything just working out, but sometimes it's walking with unresolved tension and trusting in your unfailing love despite the storm. Father, I lift up the prayer requests of the people of our church. We pray for Rochelle's husband who's in the hospital right now and not doing well. We pray for... Um, Gary, uh, Jeanette, Jarrett, Gary Jarrett and his wife who lost their son, Eric, who was their only child. We pray for Brent and Jennifer Shackman who are waiting on the birth of their baby girl in Austin, Texas. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving from Emily Branham who 
is very thankful for a new job and a new opportunity and the love and support of the family of friends that she has in her life. I lift up the hearts of everyone in this room, though. The things that were unspoken, the things that we can't say, the different ways that we all feel uh, far from home. Father, help us to experience your presence and your love and grace. Even there, even in these difficult times. Faith doesn't always resolve. But that doesn't mean it's not giving our lives to. It doesn't mean that your love isn't worth pursuing and allowing to be our foundation. Father, you are a God who visits people in exile. And in all the ways we feel far from home, may you remind us that even as we are there, we are loved by you. May we press into your unfailing love even further. In your son's name I pray, amen. So we, we are dismissed uh, for, for the morning. There's no, no closing song after that, so thank you guys.